listening to 27 Talks Podcast. Step into the world of hair. We've got ideas and stories to share. Supporting salon culture and life. We'll provide the education. One talk at a time. Singer of Less Than Jake, Krista Mays. Hi, and welcome to 27 Talks. On this episode, I sat with my friend, Krista Makes, lead singer of Less Than Jake. Chris shares with me that his love of music all comes from the songs and how he gets to explore that with other artists on his podcast, Krista Makes a Podcast. With nearly 30 years with his band and numerous ways that he shares his art publicly, Chris was the first person I thought of when I set out to discuss how creating art can face challenges when growing exposure happens. But remembering why you do what you do, tuning out the negativity, and staying true to yourself, your craft, and growing a little thicker skin. Enjoy the episode. Well, I am so excited to introduce not only my friend, but the amazing lead singer of Lesson Jake, Mr. Krista Makes himself. Thank you so much for being on 27 Talks with me. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting me uh, give me the opportunity to perform your theme song. No kidding, right? Like the fact <laughs> that so you and I, let's let's go back. You and I have been friends for like 17 years. It's, can it possibly be that long? I'm, I, I'm trying to think if I knew you before you and Chet moved to Tampa. I Did think I meet we you had before met, then? but like we really like obviously got to really know each other living in Tampa, which was like circa, yeah. we moved there in 2005 and you were like one of the first people we stumbled into there. Well, so. I was going to say, I was, I was shocked. You came, I played an acoustic grand opening of my friend's record store. One of the last people uh, to ever open a record store because uh, it's not very lucrative anymore. But that was in 05. Um, yeah. And you and Chet came to see me play and I was just, it's weird when you see people out of context. Yeah. You know, you're used to seeing people in a certain place and then you're like, whoa. whoa. And I, I've been embarrassed before because I've had friends show up that I've known for a long time to a different area. And I look at him going, how do I know you? And I'm stumbling for their name. And then it just, it hits you like a ton of bricks, you know? Like, oh yeah, it's totally, but you're not supposed to be here. That's, I kind of felt that way moving to Florida too. I wasn't supposed to be there, but we stayed, yeah. we stayed. We were there for you, four you and, years. You and, you and Chet are gluttons for punishment. You, you moved to hell, Florida, and then you moved back to hell in Phoenix. It's like <laughs> hot, hot. So true, just different variations. But it's a dry it's heat. It's a, it's a dry heat, yeah. Whatever, whatever they mean by that, it's a dry heat, yeah. Tell that to my cracking skin. I'm aging, but I'm old enough as it is already, and the desert's killing me. <laughs> well, so yeah, okay, so we've been friends forever, but um, getting to know you at that time in Florida, really kind of seeing you as an artist, getting to know you as a person. I mean, holy crap, those so many years ago and like all these great joyful memories that I have getting to know you and you truly are one of the most charismatic, self-confident, 
friendliest, open, artistic people that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and calling my friend. And I want to hear a little bit about telling our listeners, you know, who you are as lead singer and who you are as an artist and kind of segueing back, giving a rollback past 2005, all the way to, you started Lesson Jake in 92? 92, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So I thank you for, for the wonderful, uh, nice compliments, things you said about me. Uh, a lot of them are true and a lot of them are, uh, <laughs> some of the things you said, you know, that self-confidence, uh, a, a lot of that just comes from um, having to be, you know, that alpha person in a band, the lead person in a band. You have to, either you're the, the timid person that's up at the mic, you know, hey, how you doing Phoenix? Or you're that guy. And, and I, it, punk rocks helped that because you could be that guy. You could be that loud, brash person. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in a musical household. My parents were very supportive. They didn't care of what kind of music I listened to. They, they enjoyed it. They would, you know, go to shows. It was a complete stark contrast to most people's parents. They would let me wear whatever shirts I wanted to, barring if it was too offensive to get into, you know, the school wouldn't let me in with it. So very supportive. Mom and dad played. My parents were singers. So they, uh, you know, were always out playing. My earliest memories were, were uh, you know, in, you know, smoky bars and, and uh, nightclubs with, with mom and dad when I was young. And it just was kind of in my blood. I, I loved it. And then, yeah, as you said, I formed the band in 92. And we just, you know, were a couple of friends that just uh, wanted to write some music together. You know, the songs are always have to come first before you can go play a show. Then it was like, well, now we want to go play live. And, you know, maybe we'll get some free beer out of this. And that was it. And it, it was nothing more than that. And then it just, the free beer went to, we can play a club now. And then, hey, this guy wants to put out a record. And oh, and then this. And then you just start connecting the dots. And then you go out and you, you know, start playing uh, in other states. And from there, you, you, you meet people, uh, you know, without this band, I never would have met you. I met your husband through, uh, through the Ataris when he was working for them. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know where the time went. Um, sometimes it feels like it's, it's been an eternity and other times you just, it feels like I blink my eyes and, and uh, I'm talking to, to Amber, you know, 30 years later. <laughs> it's so crazy. You know? It's so crazy. You guys have had quite a journey. And I mean, that exposure from starting just like a few friends. I mean, even though our industries are completely different, I mean, there's so there's similarity in the way that you come together, right? Like I started the salon super small. It was just me and a couple friends and we just made good hair and supporting each other because we loved to do it. And I didn't, I had a vision and you have that hope that like, yeah, this is going to take off. I like, I want, I want to be successful at what I'm doing because I'm putting so much heart and soul into it. And you know, I look back, I, I feel like I started this one now. My career is, you know, I was a stylist prior to hair. So yes, I look back and I'm like in 2005 when I was like doing hair in Tampa, seems like yesterday. And now I can't believe my business is over five years old. Um, but starting it so small and then as it grows and grows and grows, you you do kind of take yourself into a bit of a different journey and you're putting yourself out there in sort of a vulnerable way. And this is why I wanted to chat with you because 
it felt like, you know, gosh, I put every single like haircut that I do, every, you know, bit of creation that I put out there to a guest, out there to a team member to lead them. And it's heart and soul and artistry and then heart and soul and artistry and really putting yourself out there kind of on display. And as you began with Less Than Jake and starting from a small, like just playing tiny clubs and going up, you know, more and more exposed, what did that look like for you? And I mean, I know you said punk rock kind of was the breeding place for that self-confidence, but talk a little bit about how that journey like grew you into dealing with being exposed and being that vulnerable of putting your art out there for the masses and what that looks like on the inside for you. Well, you know, I, I, first of all, you know, you had mentioned when you first started, you, you had said that, you know, we're not really in the same world, you know, hair and, 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 you know, this, but they are both at the end of the day, as much as as a musician, you want to look at it as a business. It is, it's a career, but there is a bleed over or a crossover, I should say, between hair and, you know, most of the hair salons and stylists, they're, they're kind of the misfits, you know, you, you guys are constantly changing your hair, lots of tattoos, piercings, and a lot of people I've met in salons are punk rockers, you know, and over the years when I was doing my hair blue and doing this and that, I wasn't walking into Bill's barbershop, you know, you'd walk out with a crew cut. No, I was going to hair salons. So tons of, of people over the years I've met that, that do hair. So I totally get where you're coming from and, and get that. Uh, to answer your question, though, you know, going back, you know, when, when you're that young, you're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants. And like I said, I there was a combination. It, it's kind of like the, the comedians that, you know, a lot of them deep down there, you, you hear they're, they're sad inside, but they portray this thing because they make everybody else happy. Uh, I was definitely, I think a lot of it came from where I came from in high school. I wasn't the nerd. I wasn't the, the prom king. I was just kind of in the middle. You know, I played sports. I was into music. Um, I, I was liked, but I always felt like an outsider. I don't really know why, uh, but I just never felt like I, I fit in. I would go to the school dance and I'd be standing there looking at these people and they'd be dancing sober and I'd be going, I don't understand what they, I just don't get it. And I just didn't feel like I could go, hey, let's hang out. I never felt this camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And I, I discovered punk rock and I discovered this complete abandon. And it was the first time that I didn't care and that I felt like I belonged in something. And when I moved to Gainesville, Florida, it was the only liberal place in Florida, uh, you know, uber liberal place, uh, the hippie college town. And I got there and in, in the punk rock scene, it was in stark contrast to the punk rock scene that was in South Florida. Uh, here was, it was all inclusive. Um, you know, I, I think I knew, uh, uh, you knew of who, what, what kids maybe were gay in, in school or, you know, but you, it was kind of a hush-hush thing 30 years ago. It wasn't, especially in, in conservative South Florida. I got to Gainesville, there was gay, lesbian, uh, uh, black punk rockers, Asian punk rockers. It was just this melting pot and everyone was trying to figure out who the hell they were. And it was all inclusive. And that's what I liked about it. And it kind of gave me this confidence to just be who I was, act like a complete idiot. And sometimes you'd get shit for it, most of the time people would laugh at you, but at the end of the day, it was accepted, you know? 
And that's kind of what the allure was for me. I finally felt like, okay, I found something that I can identify with. Yeah, and I think that um, ha- being brought up into that sort of like immersive, all ex- insect accepting world is allows you to really become, you know, who you are and and have that self confidence. It's amazing that that was your like, you know, the band's nursery ground. There, you guys really came into who you would be um, when you know you started kind of having success, sort of like maybe. What was that? Was that like losing streak or prior to like, where was kind of that launch pad for you guys in terms of exposure? From well, you know, so the record you're referring to losing streak, that was when we, uh, it was our first major label record. We got signed to Capitol records in late 95. That record came out a year later in the fall of 96, but to go with what you're talking about, I was feeling that we were feeling that, in Gainesville and the microcosm of Gainesville because mm-hmm. as much as punk the punk rock was all inclusive it still was kind of clicky you know and we were starting now to see like fraternity guys coming to watch us play and the punk rockers didn't like that okay and so the the the, the politics early on i was seeing it within the scene to where to me i identified with this whole punk rock subculture but like people were people to me and this is supposed to be inclusive. So what if the guy shows up with boat shoes and pleated pants on, you know, and a, and a, and a parted haircut, he's allowed in here, right? As long as he, you know, or she has the same ideals that we have. Mm-hmm. So we started selling out the, you know, 150 seat punk rock club. And then we moved up to the 400 seat punk rock club. And now we were selling that out. And we're starting to feel backlash. We're starting to hear the cries of what was known in the 90s as you're a sellout, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was, I would think it was a little easier back then because either you had to actually read it in print, print. or someone had, someone had to like say it to you, to your face. Now it's right here. Right? <laughs> it's instantaneous. You go on Yelp and you want to read reviews of your salon, they did this or they did that. So right. that you have to have a filter for what's important and what's not. Um, People all the time, uh, you know, someone will be like, you know, check, check this out. And there's times you'll, you'll read reviews of a new record. I'll go on Amazon, there's reviews and it'll be completely, it has nothing to do with the new album. We'll just say, yeah, I met Chris one time after a show and he was an asshole. Okay. Well, maybe I was, but uh, we're, we're all human and maybe it was, you know, 20 below in Denver and this guy will not stop talking to be drunk. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to go and, you know, get warm. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to, you can't always, uh, please people. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. You, you can, you can please yourself. And as long as you're not um, hurting anybody, then uh, people can say what they want about you. And, and I've definitely built up thick, thick skin. Uh, you have to in this business. And I mean, I'm a, a, a mid-level band. We've had certainly uh, more success than 95% of you know the bands around the world that you know people would give their their left foot to be where my band's at. I'm not taking anything away from what we've done, but you know, you know, for the most part, we still have our anonymity. I mean, I couldn't even imagine being, you know, 
Madonna, Michael Jackson, uh, you know, these type of celebrities where you can't even take your kids to the mall on a Saturday afternoon. That would, I wouldn't have done well with that at all. I wouldn't have. And I know I have friends of mine that are superstars that are, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, and I've been out with them to where it's like, okay, dude, let's just go back to the bus. It's just this hounding and you can't even like hang out with, with your friend. And, and so I kind of went off on a tangent there, but yeah. No, the tangents are great, but I, I totally see what you're saying though. I mean, you do, it is good that you still have this life that is yours, right? Like you still get to keep that. And like at the end of the day, you know, you still have, I'm Chris, I know who I am. And building up that thick skin is so important. And I know that's a work in progress for so many people in all types of walks of life and in all industries. And even just personally, like you talked about the phone. I mean, really right there in your hand is like a quick like temperature check or barometer of like, how well am I being accepted? How well, like, is someone liking my post? Is someone da da da? And it's just like rat race of wanting acceptance, wanting perfectionism, wanting to love, be loved by everybody. And it is a really strange headspace to be in. Now, I went on a tangent again, but I, um, but I really do think that you know, you because you have had exposure out there. I feel like your input on, you know, how to develop that thick skin. So say like, you know, you put out a record for, and we'll just use your art versus my art. So you put a record out there that you bleed for, maybe lyrically you bled for it, or it was just really hard. Like it came to you, it was cathartic. You had to get it out of you. And then what, what do you do with that? Like you as an artist, once that comes out of you, do you want to just like smash and burn it or do you want to praise it? Or if it gets negative feedback, how do you deal with those feelings that comes from inside when you create? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm always going to try to, to throw it back to what you do. It's just kind of like, you know, you, you give a great color and a cut and someone goes away and you think you did a fantastic job and you know, you're on Facebook three days later and one of her friends is like, like, I hate it. Right. Like, well, when, when, when that person left the salon, you were proud of what you did in your heart and, and you stand by it and you have to, you have to stand by it. There's moments of records or things that we've done that, uh, you know, looking back at maybe it wasn't the, the greatest thing. It's, it's like anything else, but I always know it's our best foot forward at that very moment that we do it. Mm-hmm. And we have yeah. had records that, that people didn't like at the time, but I've noticed with our band, a kind of a, a, a trend that's happened is that people have to catch up with us. You know, when we started the band, we were in our, well, I was 18 when I started it, but when we, when we got out and we were actually touring the, the States, I was, you know, 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. And our fans were 13, 14, 15, 16. So we had almost 10 years on them then, and that's continued to happen. So, you know, we put out a record, uh, this has been happening since the late nineties. We put an album out of stuff that we're going through that they haven't gone through emotionally yet. Mm-hmm. They have to catch up. Mm-hmm. So I know now that I would put an album out that someone might not get it. It might not be immediate to them, but it, it can, it continues to happen where four or five years later, like, okay, I finally went through my first divorce. I get it, you know, or I lost one of my parents. I get it, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, to, 
answer your question directly of how do you deal with that you just ha you just have to know that you put your best foot forward I don't write for the fans mm -hmm. I write for me um, when the record comes out you listen to it in the studio but I don't go back and and listen to my work it would be almost like you know you sitting around on a, a Sunday afternoon saying you know what I'm gonna get the scrapbooks out and look at all the haircuts I did from 2005 it probably doesn't happen no, because no. yours, yours would be in there and I don't want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, Not I either. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you make it and it's a, it's a snapshot of that moment in time. It's a, it's a documentation. And the only time I ever go back and listen to the records is when we haven't played a certain song in a while, I have to go back and relearn it or listen to it, familiarize myself with it. And, and, uh, and that's sometimes really cool and that's sometimes really strange and that's sometimes not good. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's really, wow, we, that, that really sounds good. I can't believe we haven't played this song. And other times it's strange of like, wow, I don't really like the, the guitar sound on that. We did that. Or in other times it's sad. It brings you back to a moment of, you know, someone dying or a breakup or different things. Yeah. But, you know, the, the longer that I do this, I, I've realized that we still do it for ourselves. That's all you can do it for, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think that when you go to work, you know, you're providing a service, you know, like we're providing a service of music to people. They love our music. You're providing a service, like but at it. the end of the day, yes, you're doing it for people, but if you're not doing it for yourself, like if you got up in the morning and you're like, I don't want to go cut and color and listen to people gossip all day. I don't want to do it then you'd go find something else to do. And that's the same thing with me. Yeah. I think there's something really nice about being comfortable in what you do, you know, knowing that it was the right move for you. It's the right artistry. It still keeps that fire lit and burning. And, and I think, you know, in what being able to do what you've done for so many years, yeah, I, course you're going to develop that those skill sets to kind of tune out and keep moving forward and, and I think it's fantastic to hear you talk about you know how settled in you are and that you create art for yourself you know I built a salon because I wanted to work with like-minded people and I'm so lucky to get up every morning and be able to do that and creating great hair that walks out the door is just to you know icing on the cake, you know, because I get to be with other, again, like-minded people doing the same craft, supporting each other and all that. It, it's honestly, it is hard on those one, every now and again, those one little bits of negative criticism. And I'm not talking about constructive feedback, right? Like not constructive feedback when people no. just want to tear you down for, for, whatever reason it feels good for them to do it is that's where it gets hard to learn the skill set to still stand strong keep yourself moving forward don't lose sight of the vision and keep trucking along and i feel like you know that's something that is for me probably always constantly evolving do you think that there was ever one point for you that was that tipping point of i'm not going to let that get in my head anymore I'm not going to let like, I'm not going to let the infectiousness of people's comments bother me. Is there one defining moment for you or just again, over time? 
Um, you know, I, I definitely think time has time gives you perspective on everything. Sure. But for you know, if I really think about what you just asked me, it was probably around the time that we left Capitol Records and we went independent again. And then we got we got re-signed to a major label. We went back to Warner Brothers after that. But mm -hmm. after we were off Capitol, I realized because there was kind of a, a chasing the golden apple thing going on for a while. What is success? You know, well, we haven't sold as many records as Green Day, but we, we sell, sell more records, records than that band. And even if we did sell as many records as Green Day or whoever, there's bands that sell more records than them. People are always going to have more than you. What's enough? What's enough? How much money is enough? Mm -hmm. Are you rich in your heart? Are you rich in, in your bank account? Mm -hmm. So when we left the label and I realized then that, wow, because, you know, the, the industry had changed. You know, when back in the 70s and 80s, when you were on a label, they gave you money to tour. It was called tour support. Uh, that no longer exists. That money doesn't exist. But the label, when you got dropped by a label, you were done, a lot of bands. And here we got dropped by this huge uh, corporate entity and we booked a tour and went out and it was still a thousand people every night. Those fans, we built those fans without, you know, it was on our own. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, okay, this is, this is what we have to focus on. We have to focus on what we have, not what we could have. Because you, you, you can never estimate how many records you're going to sell. You could write the greatest song. I've, I have a collection of albums with amazing songs that no one's ever heard, you know. Um, so there's a combination of luck. There's a combination of perseverance and all these other things that go into it. So for me early on, it was, you know, I, I'm good with, with my success and I'm good with what I have. I can only be Chris from Less Than Jake, you know, or, or Chris makes. I can't be something else and that's that's a big lesson to learn because for the longest time like i said it was every week i was calling the label how many records do we sell this week you know do we get on the radio and once i had once i stopped playing that rat race and this is going over 20 years now that i haven't felt that way wow you know and that that's was a good feeling that's awesome because it can be so destructive it really is so destructive it's like you said you know it's it's that like negative energy fuels negative energy right and so as soon as you can just like let it go and come back to like you said to circle back the reasons why you do it you know it's your passion it's driving you for it and not letting any of the other chatter derail you from what the vision is and I think that applies to anything obviously your band I'm, you know, in my salon space, but truly I think anybody who has a vision to put themselves out there in an artistic manner, there's such vulnerability there. It's like you put yourself on display to be like, everybody think, and then, you know, it's, it is tough. It is tough to get, you know, the, the, the public throwing that back at you. But I do think that being solid in yourself is, should always be the goal and then as long as you're solid in yourself the things that you create with good intent are going to land the way that they're supposed to land because you had good intent to put it out there and uh yeah 
you guys have been doing that for for a long time <laughs> and you're not just Chris from less than Jake I mean holy shit man you are doing so much stuff right now like you are Chris to makes and you have not only you guys less than Jake did do a record this year right so you guys had silver linings that came out right so you're yes. 2020 like can't stop you guys it's awesome and then you started your own <laughs> podcast and it's mind-blowing yes. it's so freaking good thank you. thank you yeah it's uh you know i think that um as time goes by as you get older for me i've told people that it wasn't a midlife crisis it was just kind of reflecting on my life and uh, i got home after recording that record, we recorded that album in November of, of 2019, finally came out in December of 2020, kept getting pushed back because we thought we'd be able to tour last year at some point, didn't happen. But uh, yeah, I got home and I just, I was doing some soul searching, you know, I just had this, uh, again, it wasn't a midlife crisis, it was a, a midlife realization of, okay, I'm on the back nine, you know, and you know, am, am I more than halfway through my life? I don't know. If, I, if I'm halfway through my life, that means I have to live to like, you know, 94 years old. So, you know, you start to take stock of what's important. In all those years, all I had ever done, uh, I was Chris from Less Than Jake. I, that's all I ever aspired. It was, it was enough for me. And, you know, touring is a hard grind. Being away from your family, I have young children now, is tough. And we haven't, we've started the tour a little differently than, than we used to. Uh, it's not nine months at a time, you know, so we are, you know, tailoring that to suit our, our individual needs. But I just kind of took stock and was like, you know, who am I? Who am I outside of this band? Uh, it's the only, I don't have any regrets all these years. The only thing that I would change one thing is that I would have put my last name in the records all those years. It was just Chris. You know, this, this last record we did is the first record my last name is in. I never, I hate using this word, but I never branded myself. So the hardest part about my podcast is getting people to like, who the hell's Krista makes? Nobody knows, you know, they know, oh, that's the guy from Less Than Jake. They know that. So uh, I've really worked hard in the last couple of years to get a social media presence because I know that's important and uh, kind of define, my, define myself outside of the band. And it all goes back to the passion because I'd gotten home and I said, what else is there for me? Do, you know, I, I don't even know if I wanna do music. I'm so burnt out. I've been doing this for 30 years. And I got a neighbor of mine who he uh, is a plant manager where I live for a pharmaceutical company. And he's like, man, I can get you start, starting pay. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. And it wasn't bad money. He was like, I'll get you 17 an hour to go on the line and put pills in bottles, you know, when you're off the road. He's like, I always need help. Because he asked me, could you know, could you or your wife help me? And I'm like, uh I was sitting one night in December, I think of 2019, and I'm thinking, like, do I want to go do something different? Do I maybe I'll go sit in a factory and put pills in a bottle? Just something outside of this. And I don't know, something just spoke to me that night. Very strange. It was like I had this moment of, why did you start this? What is it about? And it was the light bulb went off. It's always about the songs. Mm -hmm. From That's my first memory as a young child was the song. 
not playing live, not the record deal, not the, all the other crap that goes along with it, it was the song. I hadn't went down to my studio and I went down the next day and I just fired my stuff up and I wrote a song and, and you know, I'll give you the condensed version. All these little things started happening from that moment. Uh, a dear friend of the band had lost her father. She was going through, she was miserable for three years. She was just, she couldn't enjoy holidays. And she asked me to write this song for her. So I wrote the song and she said, what do I owe you? I said, you don't owe me anything. And she said, no, I need to give you something. This song's amazing. And so I gave her my PayPal. And, and next thing I know, she paid me an astronomical amount of money to, for this. I was blown away. And, you know, it's kind of like the light bulb went off. I, I'm like, I'm going to start writing songs and jingles for people. So I started doing that. I had our, I was already had the wheels in motion of putting my first book together that came out last uh, December. It's called Blast from the Past. So the book uh, was, do, was doing that. I started doing the custom songs and it just, I was floored by the response. I could not fill the orders fast enough. So this is now getting into January of last year, February of last year. I started doing one-on-one -on -one Zoom consultations with people, writing songs, collaborating, producing, uh, talking about just the music business. Uh, and as I'm doing all of this, I wanted to promote my songwriting business with a cartoon. And I hired uh, my friend, Chris Fafalios, who's now my manager, as well as my podcast producer. And Chris, for any of the listeners out there, plays in a band called Punchline. They used to be on Fueled by Ramen. So him and I have history together. And you know, we, we just started talking. Uh, he made, did this, anim he does animation, did this animated cartoon for me, for my, for my songs. And one day he's just like, man, you got to do a podcast. And I was like, I don't want to do a podcast. He's like, you got to do one. You'd be great at it. I'm like, eh, you know, I don't want to interview my, my peers. He's like, no, it wouldn't be an interview. It'd be more like you, you'd have a theme. You'd talk about songwriting. That's what you're doing, which again, all goes back to the song. So all these little things started happening. And I laugh now I just that I even had a thought of doing something else of going to a, you know, stuff pills in a bottle at a factory or go, 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 you know, do real estate, which I have a real estate license, but it was never a passion. I just went and got the license in between a tour for, for something to do. But it's all about the music now for me. And it always goes back to it. And it's the gift for me that keeps on giving. Well, and it's appreciated on this side of it too, because not only is your passion for music so palpable, but at the same time, like the sharing that you do on the podcast is it's so entertaining you dive into the artistry and the creation of the song like from every little like the sentence and the way that like it's musically like arranged and it it's captivating to listen to so I'm so glad that you didn't stuff pills in a bottle because what you're doing is so amazing it's it's just fantastic and and the book is fabulous too and you know you're quite the always been quite the performer again back to that um clear with the charisma and self-confidence because i don't think out of all the lesson jake shows and all the times that i've seen you perform i don't think i've ever seen you crack and even on like the podcast you are so who you are all the time and i mean if you've ever cracked at any point i've never i've never seen it but <laughs> I, I i definitely have cracked a number of times but you know i think i think there's a, a certain cons consistency and that's the other thing i'm i'm proud of with what i do it's it's much like uh, and and 
the reason I keep throwing this back at what you do is because that's what, you know, what we're here talking about, but you know, no matter what you do in life, it's like, you have to align yourself with successful people and people that want the same goals. You know, you got some people that aren't showing up there. This person's 10 minutes late today. Now they're a half hour late. At some point you're like, you gotta, you gotta leave next because that isn't going to grow your business. And people always, I get asked a lot on my, my consultations to people, I mean, heck all the time out on the road, fans, fans will write me, I got this band and, and what's your secret? And the first thing I always say to them is you, you gotta meet the right people. They gotta be like-minded. If they don't wanna get up at eight in the morning because that's too early because that's what time you wanna get up and start doing the band then find the guy that wants to get up at eight in the morning. You know, they don't want to tour for nine months out of the day. They want to tour for five months and that's not the right person for you. Find the people that, that share the same, the same goals. And if you don't, uh, you know, don't find them, you know, keep, keep looking because you, you know, you, if you settle for mediocrity, then that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Finding those right humans to circle yourself around and yeah. each other up. And well, I'm always supporting you always, always, always. So even at a distance, but, and I'm grateful for your support too, but, and literally like going back again, Chris made the theme song for my podcast and it's so phenomenal. And Chris did the drawing for it as well. So thank you to him as well. And you guys are both great. So, yeah, well, I, you know, wish you nothing but luck. And when I'm out there, I'll have you uh, chop my mop. Yes. That as I think you referred to it one time, uh, you set me up with saying, sorry about the caveman like skull I have something along those lines that it was going to yeah. be challenging I think to this day you still have the most challenging head of hair I've ever cut I think I, I said Cro-Magnon uh, head <laughs> my dad and I have heads the size of a bull mastiff and my head's super flat in the back so it's just yeah I got cowlicks everywhere yeah it's it's a it's a it's all the all the tools in the toolbox come out when you're cutting. When I was coming down the when I was coming down the conveyor belt, the big man in the sky is like, "Ah, fuck it, just throw that on it. You know, give him that head. He's next." <laughs> got all the all the leftover bits. Got all the tricky bits thrown too. Yes. Well, okay. So the last little bit here as we're wrapping things up, I do my quick fire. Yep. Um, and so keeping it funny and lighthearted. Here we go. Um, best hair metal band in your opinion. Motley Crue. Fantastic. I musically, I'm going to agree with you. If it's literally, and this wasn't my intention with asking, but if it's just hair-wise, best actual like band hair. Oh, Poison. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) Weirdest thing that you've ever done as a house guest. Wow. How, how long is the quick fire? How long do I have to think of this? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'm asking you this because the weirdest thing that I've ever done as a house guest was drink a little too much Jaeger at your home, pass out in your hallway and wake up to your dog doing inappropriate things to me. <laughs> ah, yeah, he, he, used to, he used to like a hump, hump a strange leg. Um, he did. Uh, strangest thing I've ever done at someone's house. Well, we were, this is a crazy story. Um, Lesson Jake was, you know, back in the day, we, we uh, I know this is supposed to be quick fire. I'll give, I'll give the, the short story. Back in the day, we would get on the microphone at the end of the night and say, hey, you know, we need a place to stay tonight. And 
you know, inevitably someone will raise their hand and you can stay in my place. And some nights you'd be at a mansion in the hills somewhere, a $2 million house. And other times you'd wind up at some um, punk squad. And I wake up in this like Victorian house. And I'm on the couch. And I mean, I have to piss like now. Like, and I, I checked every door in that house and I couldn't find a bathroom. And then I go to the backyard. I'm looking, I'm like, well, I'm going to go pee outside. So I go and it's dead bolted, but it doesn't have a turn on. You need a key for it. I can't get out. So I go to the front door and I mean, that's the sun's just shining and there's the mail, the mail guys going by and there's traffic and there's people on the sidewalk walking by. I had to duck behind a, like go behind a bush, like a hedge and squat down and pee. Yeah, so if that, if that qualifies as weird. It is weird. That sounds like you were in a very strange house. I think that was actually weirder than that. I don't even know if they had a bathroom. I could, I could not, I checked every door. So no bathroom. Well, maybe that's what, maybe that was normal. You did something normal for that strange house. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, okay, is cereal a soup? Why or why not? Cereal a soup. Uh, what, what's the, the gazpacho? Is that the cold soup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cereal is gazpacho. It is. It's is breakfast gazpacho. <laughs> yeah, breakfast. Yeah, breakfast. That's my answer. It's breakfast gazpacho. Gazpacho. Is that how you say it? I think so. Weird I think word. it is. Gazpacho. I think. Yeah, I don't is. like gazpacho. I've had it before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like cold soup anyway. I don't really care for cereal myself, but. Um, okay, what do you ever get nervous to do? Do you get nervous? I've never seen you be nervous. Do you actually get nervous? Get nervous to do. If I have to do something that I absolutely don't want to do. Yeah. If I had to, you know, one of my exes, we, I used to have to go to her work functions and I just, the people there were just so uptight and straight laced. And, and it was just, it wasn't so much of a nervous, just like, I would just did, I didn't know how to act, yeah. you know? Cause I remember one time someone saying like, tell me a crazy tour story. And I told them something that I thought was really tame. And then the whole table, like, can you pass the ketchup? Oh, hey Bob, how about that bears game? You know? <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, you, do you really want to know what we do on tour? You know, no. <laughs> you Not know the fair. story. They don't really want to know. No. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. In Tampa, I would say the scariest thing that I ever encountered in Tampa was the alligator in your backyard. Now that you're, now that you're in Tennessee, what's the scariest thing there? Uh, <laughs> White people. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I set that one up. <laughs> yeah, I, I live, I live up in the mountains. I'm in the middle of nowhere, and uh, there's some interesting, interesting folks here. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, you know, coming coming from Florida, uh, land of the white trash, this is a another level, next next level up. So interesting, interesting people. That's all I'm going to say. Mostly um, okay, good people. So, mostly mostly yeah. good people, though. They they really do. They have their, their good good Southern people. They have a good heart. But 
I see some things that I just am like, you know. <laughs> um, okay, well, clearly you have many, many, many talents that are undeniable. What is your one useless one? Just having useless knowledge, you know, having a brain that just remembers you know, March 13th, 2004, yeah, when we did the interview on top of the Capitol Records building, I had a tuna fish sandwich before we did it. Like, and that's, I know that's what I had for lunch right before then, you know, although I don't eat tuna fish, that's a bad example, but you get the, um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> no, I will, I will certify this, that you absolutely have the craziest memory. Chet and I have said it all the, I mean, everybody that knows you knows that that's how you are. You remember all the details you, I'm shocked how your memory is. Like every time we get to chat and you're like, oh yeah, this one time that it's amazing. The amount yeah, of, I, I don't know. Name. I don't know why. And I, and it's, it's debilitating at times because, you know, someone will start telling a story and I don't want to be that guy. It's like, no, no, no you're wrong. It wasn't the, it wasn't a Sunday. It was a Saturday. You don't remember because, you know, you don't want to be that because how many times have we seen that person like oh here he is the know-it-all again so I, I just sit there you know it's like <laughs> but would you rather would you rather be right or everybody be happy that's another life lesson you know right well it depends on happier ha happier right yeah if we're talking about chet i want to be right <laughs> of course <laughs> Um, okay, so my last question of my seven pop-up questions, and I always say they're quick fire and they're never a quick fire. Um, but so you've survived the apop apocalypse. What's your new job? In a hypothetical situation, the world is, the apocalypse has happened. What's your job? I am going to build the uh, put together the first hair salons in my state of Tennessee Perfect. <laughs> yeah. well, I know a bunch of people to hire you'll be you'll be one of the first few I don't know a damn thing about hair but I'll be the first you'll be the first person I hire <laughs> awesome Pandy and I survived the apocalypse right along with you count me in there I'm there and only joking because of course I can't imagine you doing anything other than what you do because you were hands down put in this life to create amazing music to touch people with the songs that you and the band but you as well that you write um to share your love of music with your podcast to make people laugh hysterically like with I mean your book is incredible and even the calendar that we we have the calendar oh, hanging in the, in the salon <laughs> I was literally Chris I was interviewing some people I had a new hire come in. She was sitting in in the chair and Chet's on one side of the desk, I'm on the other. And she's she keeps looking at the wall, like eyes a gaze to this side. And it's literally like Uncle Al, or I can't even remember what the character's no. name is. And Uncle Art. Uncle <laughs> Art. And she's looking at like, why does Chet and Amber have this dude hanging in the couch? Well, that, that's my mom. That's my uncle. That's my mom's brother, Uncle Art. So that's that's who that character was. was. <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that you have that in your soul. I thought you were trying to gain build your business. Come on, Amber. <laughs> it's, it's only for like the 
the behind the scenes. So yeah, you're, yeah. you're present with us in the salon too. You see the woman three months down the road, you're like, you're like at the grocery store, you're like, why don't you come in for your hair? And I'm like, ah, calendar. Uh, just, you, know. you guys yeah. are weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think what you're doing is amazing. The journey that you're continuing to put yourself on and put, put your love, your passion out it's clear and it's evident and you just stay the course because I'm so grateful to call you a friend, but, you know, keep sharing with the masses because I, I think it's truly, it's truly amazing. Well, thank you very much. And I'm uh, very happy for you uh, striking out on your own with your own business and it's doing well and uh, it's your passion and you, you were put here to do that as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. Always supporting you. Always glad to get a chance to pick your brain and, and chat and have a good chuckle over, <laughs> over the stupid years we've had together. So I'm always appreciated. And uh, thank you so, so very much for taking some time to sit with me. And for everybody out there listening, tune in to Krista Makes a Podcast you will not be disappointed it's so entertaining chris you're just incredible so thank you my friend i appreciate you have an awesome day I'll see you, later, buddy. you too thanks